we're going to do is we're going to take this passage and we're going to do three weeks in it because it's so much here. So if you leave today going, I'm not sure I know how to deal with messed up people, it's because next week hasn't happened yet. Because everything that we're going to learn about dealing with messed up people, and I'm talking about the, dealing with the person sitting in your seat. Trust me. Trust me. We're all messed up at one point or another. Well, we're going to learn each week. So this is going to be like a series inside of a series. I'm inventing a new genre of sermons. And so this is the series, This Is Us, but what we're going to learn for the next three weeks, and this will be our big idea, is we humbly receive God's word and happily serve God's world. That's how messed up people deal with messed up people. By humbly receiving God's word and happily serving God's world. Let me give you some confession. I came to Christ and I was not a little bit messed up but a lot messed up, even more so than I am now, and I think I'm pretty messed up. In fact, I'm the worst person in this room, so if you feel like not sure if you should be at this service or anything like that, trust me, no matter how bad you are, I'm worse than you. And so, and if that surprises you, read the scriptures. The scriptures speak about no one being righteous, not even one person. Well, I came to a, a, a church similar to this one, only far bigger, and I started to um, come and grow and, and learn about who Jesus was. I finally received Christ, and Jesus started to change my life. But did you believe that I still had junk and mess going on as I pursued Jesus? Would you believe that I still have junk and mess as I pursued Jesus? Well, I had junk and mess. And so I started to volunteer. I volunteered for this um, act of service. It was like a... Um, uh, I, I'm not going to say it right, just the way I remember it. It was like, you know, it was visitation ministry. And basically what we did was we went to an old folks home and we, uh, and I know that that's like super un politically incorrect, but you get the picture that I'm, I'm making here. We went to an old folks home and, um, and what we would do is we would, um, you know, serve with, sit with, love on, be with the the people there, and they hadn't had visitors. Many of them hadn't had visitors in a while, and so we were just acting in love. We would give a quick sermon, and then we would uh, meet with them, talk with them, pray with them, and do all that stuff. Well, the day before, I had just finished getting my fill of sin. I don't know if any of you have ever gotten your fill of sin and then came to a Sunday service afterward. I'm sure I'm the only one. But I got my fill of sin the day before and then went to this service where the woman who ran our ministry, this lovely older woman, she said, Edwin, you'll be teaching the seniors today. To which I looked for a gun to shoot myself with. Because it was, it was more than I could bear. And I went in and I... And I'm telling you, I'm, it was just as bad a sermon as you could imagine. It was a, I was as guilt-ridden as you could believe. Would you believe that 
Would you believe that like four people raised their hand to receive Christ that day? And you know the statistical probability of you receiving Christ after 70. You're more likely to get hit by a bolt of light. If you've denied Jesus for 70 years, <laughs> you've hardened your heart against Jesus. Jesus has to like come down and do a miracle. Four people received Christ that day. And I, I ref often reflected on that. And the truth is, is that God still uses really broken people. Amen. Really messed up people. Now, am I advocating getting your fill of sin on Saturday before you come and serve on Sunday here at the Recovery House of Worship? Is that what I am saying? Of course that's not what I am saying. What I'm trying to say is that I am deeply, deeply messed up. And so are you. And if that's true, then we're going to have to figure out how to live with one another. Because according to the scriptures, we're going to be living with each other forever. We're going to be living in heaven with each other forever, so we might as well start the process of getting along and addressing our mess. So James knows, God knows, and he writes, God speaks through James. He knows that every one of us are going to be people who carry baggage. Do you know what I mean when I say carry baggage? Like, you got junk that you bring into. Anybody ever bring junk into a relationship? Anybody? Oh, only three of you? Oh, okay. All right, yeah. All right, okay. That's good. Let me speak to the three of you then. All right, so we all carry this junk, right? So how many know that not only do you carry junk into relationships and marriages and children and uh, work and all that stuff, but you carry it into a community of believers, how many have ever brought their junk into a community of believers? If you're sitting here, it's you. Okay, don't have to raise your hand. It's okay. We, you're here. So here's the point. The point then is how do we then, how do we then deal with each other? Because we're all messed up. Every one of us. God knows we're going to have to deal with that. And so he gives us his word. And so he gives us in uh, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. I'm going to read the whole thing in context. I'll give you the three big main points that we're going to for the next three weeks, and then I'm just going to focus on the first paragraph. That's how this is going to go. So let's get to it. Um, if you would stand as we read God's word. The reason that we stand, if you're new... The reason that we stand for the reading of God's word is because we want to remind ourselves every week that at least once a week, we want to remind ourselves that what I think and what I feel is not as important as what, I, uh, as what God says. And so we stand sort of in reverence and sort of a reminding our posture going, oh yeah, wait, what we're going to read is other than different. There are certain things that we say to ourselves that are simply untrue. There's nothing that God says to us that is not true. So let's, let's read God's word together. Well, let, I'll read it to you. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore... Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gi that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So if I was going to break down this text, basically what I would say is that in order to deal with difficult people, in order to address how we are to be with one another, we will have to take out the trash, put in the truth, and pick up the slack. I think that's what this text is talking about. We gotta take out the trash, put in the truth, and then we gotta pick up the slack. Now, all we're gonna talk about today is taking out the trash. And the reason that we need to take an entire week on this is because I fear that we will leave thinking, if I just get through this, I fear that we will leave not thinking that there's some severe surgery that God has to do in our soul. And so I want God to do a severe surgery on our soul. I don't know why you're here. People come to the Recovery House of Worship for lots of different reasons, and and some of them are really good reasons that'll help, and some of them are really bad reasons, and it'll still help because you're here, and, and God can move in powerful ways. But here's what I know. For whatever reason that you're here, God wants to speak to your heart. And no matter how committed you are to your sin, God wants to draw you to himself. And in order to do that, God is going to have to address our dysfunction and our sin. And sin is an awfully old word. But there's no better word to communicate how broken we are than our sin. Again, did I remind you? I'm the worst person in this room. This sermon is far more for me than it is for you. But it is for you. And so would you open your heart to receive how messed up you are. And be humble enough to receive how good God is in pursuing messed up people like us. So let's look at it. We got to take out the trash. I'll read this paragraph. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Pause. James, he's speaking to a church, and he's speaking to a church that's dealing with strife and difficulties, dealing with a church not dissimilar to this one. People who have their own agendas, who want to do their own thing, who want to live for their own joy and happiness. And if anybody, and here's the problem with people who want to live for their own joy and happiness. They run up against people who want to live for their own joy and happiness. 
And often your joy and happiness is at odds with my joy and happiness. This world would be a far better place to me if everybody would just get on board and serve me. It would be far better. But, 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 I know. You want to be served. I want to be served. But we come into a relationship like this, self-centered, broken, and into our own things. And so my James comes in and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Don't miss this. What I'm about to say, you cannot overlook. Do not, with a minimum of concern, go over what I'm about to teach you. Because what I'm about to teach you is God's work in your soul that's going to affect the lives, not only your life, but the lives of others. It's the difference between reconciliation in marriage and divorce. It's the difference between not talking to your kid for six years and going out with them on the weekends. It's the difference. Do you see the importance of reconciling, of having God address the sin in our own hearts? Because if we don't, there's all sorts of relational and collateral damage that will ensue. And so this is really, really, really important. we got to take out the trash. Take note of this. Everyone, someone say everyone. Everyone. I want you to think of who everyone could possibly be. Can you think of it? Who? Who could everyone be? Name one person everyone could possibly be. Oh my gosh, you? Yeah, you mean this is talking to you? Yeah. Yeah, everyone, at least one person. If we're not talking about it, you know how like when, because we come to church and here's what we do. We go like this. We think for some reason, oh my gosh, Josefina, if she was here, oh my gosh, does she need this message? But here's the problem. If this is for everyone and it's only for one person in that everyone, that's got to be me, right? Everyone should be Let's say these next three words together. Quick to listen, fast to listen, quick to listen, eager to listen. You ever had a conversation with somebody who before you finished your sentence was interrupting your sentence? Have you ever been that person? Yeah. You know why? Because when a person is interrupting you, they've done, they're done speaking to you they're done listening to you for minutes. Like all the words that you say 30 seconds before that, it's like it's Charlie Brown's uh, uh, teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And they have, they have something pressing. But the scriptures speak about being quick or eager to listen. Not so much fast as willing, open, ready to listen. I've done this so badly. Okay, so... I'm, I'm having an argument with my wife. I know none of y'all ever get into arguments with your spouse, but I was having an argument with my wife, and it was about three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago, maybe. So I'm having an argument with my wife, and in this particular argument, I am really right. I'm totally right. I am 100%. I am convinced of my rightness. My rightness I am wearing on my sleeve like a badge of honor. I am really, really right. For 40 minutes, I'm defending my rightness. And then my wife, she said something. And it just, I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this when you're having a discussion and someone says something that 
totally breaks through all of your defense mechanisms. My wife is so wise and so spirit-filled. She said this one sentence, and it was as if God had entered the room and said, Ed, like put my hand in his face and said, Ed, you're full of sin. I was not, up until that point, eager to listen to what she had to say. You see, what I wanted her to do was to listen to me. What I wanted her to do is to apologize, reflect upon, feel bad about what she had done. But I was not eager, I was not quick, I was not willing to listen. James says, everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. So when we're talking about being quick to listen, we're talking about the desires, about when we're walking into conflicts, being more desirous to understand than to be understood. Notice that the next paragraph, James is going to speak about us getting into God's word. But before he tells us to get into God's word, he first addresses the words that come out of your mouth. Before we fill in, you know why? Because there's junk. We got to take out the trash. We're so filled with so much hubris and arrogance, which which is like arrogance, and pride. There are people in my life that I just don't have the patience for. And God says, Edwin, that's sin. You should be quick to listen. You should be eager. Listen, it's really better to understand than to be understood. I mean, if if your wife or your spouse, or your friend, and they met up with you at a restaurant, and they were acting horribly. And then you found out the reason that they were acting horribly. I remember um, um, Stephen Covey in his uh, book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, right? It was a book that I read a long time ago. But I never forgot this illustration. He's on the train, and there's this guy on the train. And the guy's sons are jumping around. They're jumping around and um, making a mess on the train. Now, we see that all the time now, but this was back in the 60s and the 70s. And so you didn't see it. And so Covey goes up to the guy and goes, hey, do you think you should get control of your kids? They're running around like madmen. And the guy kind of shakes it off and he just goes, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We just came back from the hospital and their mother died and I'm not sure how to communicate to them. And I was just kind of lost in thought. I'm I'm sorry, I'll I'll get them. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to pronounce judgment. Slow to determine that the person that you're confronting is got sin that you need to address and you need to deal with. But rather, be open, be willing 
Because to understand, oh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. In our congregation, we, we deal with a lot of different kinds of people, right? So there are people here, and by the way, if you're here and you're new, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we welcome people who uh, live across the street in the penthouse or who sleep uh, right next door in the uh, park bench. So whether you sleep in the penthouse or the park bench, we are delighted that you're here. And we believe that God can create a community within us that will marvel the world, like the world will marvel at. Because God can do this incredible thing where the poor and the wealthy, where the rich and where the educated and the uneducated, whether people from all, the black, the white, the people from all walks of life can truly learn to love each other because our common denominator is Jesus. And so, he says, and slow to become angry. Why? Why slow to become angry? Well, number one, the anger that James is talking about is not the kind of righteous anger that you should have. Most of us try to avoid the right kind of anger that James talks about. Let me give you an example. Have you ever been up late at night and then seen one of those commercials where the kids are on the TV and their stomachs are bloated and extended and the, the flies are like landing on their lips and, and they haven't eaten in days and they go, if, uh, you know, for the price of a cup of coffee, you can provide for this child, right? Now, do you know what we do when we see stuff like that? Anybody know what we do? We change. How did you know? Right. You change the channel. Why? Because we have not conditioned ourselves to be angry at the right things. That is the kind of anger. Like, we should be furious about that. We should be furious that we spend so much on ourselves and so little on the needs of this world. We should be furious that we that the suffering that is going on in the world has not a little bit been addressed by us. You see, that's not the anger that James is talking about. The anger that James is talking about is that self-centered, self-righteous anger that has you at the center of its um, focus. It's the, you have inconvenienced me. That you have, you have uh, uh, thrown out my uh, plan. You have not functioned under the submission of my authority. The reason that I get upset if my wife is late or the reason that my wife gets upset if I'm late is not because we believe that God is a God of order and because he's a God of order, we should honor our word and if our yay is yay, let it be yay and we say we're going to be there at eight, we should be there at eight. That doesn't, you know, because we're convenient, because we're going to look bad, because we're going to. And that kind of anger, James says, that kind of anger never brings about God's righteousness. That's exactly his reason why he tells us to be slow to become angry. We're slow to become angry because we have to test if we're in the center. Are we in the center or is God in the center of this issue? If we are in the center of this issue, then we need to pause and be patient. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
This is the reason we should be slow to angry, anger. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God would have, that God desires. This human anger that besets us, this human anger that destroys communities like us. And listen to me. James is talking about injustices in this world. We're going to get that in just a few verses. In fact, in two weeks, we'll talk about that very thing. When he talks about in verse 26 and 27, how our lives should be given to the orphan and the widow. And James is talking about a broad stroke of things in that, in that moment. The, the marginalized. The, the ones without a voice. This is an important community. James is saying, he's speaking of things of justice. James is speaking about our Anger doesn't produce the results that God desires. Our anger doesn't produce what God wants in our lives. You could take that in a church context. Isn't it true? Anybody here, if you've been coming around, have you seen any flaws within the recovery house of worship? Anybody? Any flaws? Right? Yeah, there's a few flaws within our church. Sure, sure, sure. And whenever you try to deal with those flaws in a way that James would qualify as angry, you are not going to bring about the results. You know what's a phrase that I've learned um, to um, absorb lately? It's to embrace my own weaknesses and embrace the weaknesses of our church. You know that our church has weaknesses and deficiencies and all stuff like that. And I get to, oh, yeah, that's right. I get to embrace that we are imperfect and yet God still loves us. We are broken and yet God still pursues us. Because human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. If there is a brokenness within the community of God, what we are to do is we're to A, ask God for wisdom, and B, act on the wisdom that he gives. We're not to abandon. We're not to run out. We're not to say, you know what people do in church when they get rebuked or corrected or, or whatever, anything like that? Do you know what they do? They bounce. They run. It's madness. How can we be a family? If they, listen to me. If you're married to someone and every time you try to bring something up, they go, that's it, I want a divorce. You know what happens after a while? A, you either get a divorce or B, you stop bringing up stuff. Either way, the thing is broken. And so, when we talk about the human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, what we're saying is that there's a way of going about seeing this world, even the wrong things that are in this world, that bring about more harm than good. He goes on, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Since we should be slow to speak, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Therefore, since that's true, since God's, uh, your anger doesn't bring about the righteousness of God, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is in you, which can save you. See, you and I were carrying around garbage. And we, what we desperately need is God's word to address it, but the problem is, is that if we don't address it with one another, then we simply, what we, listen, 
I cannot tell the color of my eyes unless I have something that reflects it back. In the next paragraph, we're going to talk about God's word being a mirror. Next week, we'll talk about that. But unless we have something that reflects it back or we have a community that can tell me. I'm a mess. And if you don't tell me in a way that's not produced by anger, in a way that's quick to listen, in a way that's slow to speak and quick to understand, if we don't communicate that to each other, beloved, how else are we going to grow? And if we then confront each other in love and then find ourselves moving from community to community, then what you'll find is that you'll be a Christian for 20 years, only it won't be a Christian for 20 years. You'll have one year of Christian experience repeated 20 times because there's no maturity we got to take out the trash. In order for us to take out the trash, we need each other. So I tried to think about how I can illustrate this, and we're coming in for a close. Could you imagine me trying to finish this whole thing in one session? This is actually the trash that was in my office. No kidding. Let's figure this out. I didn't want to. I was going to throw it on myself, but I'm not that committed to the sermon. I'm like, nah, no, nah, I like this shirt. I'm not doing that for these people. I'm kidding. So, right, this is real. All right? All right. And so, right, so here's the thing, right? So, look, look you want to see something that's absurd? Look at what's absurd, right? And so we go like this, and then we, we got a box here. I can't believe people are actually clapping for that, all right? And so we got what? We got a piece of bread. All right, that's cool. That'll go in that pocket. And so what we do is, all right, all right, now, what do I look like? I look like a mess, right? You know who I'm trying to look like, right? You. When we walk in, this is not my, the cameras must go down, okay? Put the phones down. This is for in this room only. Nobody will understand. Here's the point. Here's the point. When I walk into a church community, this is what I look like. My junk is on me. My, my mess, my imperfections, my gender confusion, my struggle with my sexual orientation, my pride and my anger, my self-centeredness and my addiction, this is how I walk into the community. So it's no help for you to tell me I'm a mess. I know I'm coming into the community. But, but, if I could come into a community, if I could come into, Ron, come up here. If I could come into a community that would come alongside of a broken person like me and would, Ron, this is going to be gross. Just hold this, okay? Just hold this, right? If, and then Ron could tell me, oh, look, you got that? I got that. And then he could pull this up. Yeah. And, just, and, then, and then we could start talking about our mess. Then I'm not broken by myself. Ron took the time to understand. Ron was slow. To, uh, he was quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, it might take two years before Ron finds out or, or can talk about the banana peel on top of my head. 
Like before, it might take seven years of relationship before that happens. But do you realize that Ron is coming at it from a place of brokenness? And so, listen, quick to listen, slow to speak. If this is us, then we got to, then with Ron's help, I can, and then Ron, maybe you could take this off. And then, and right, right, we could take out the trash, but listen, together, we take it out together. You're awesome, Ron. I love you. Thank you. Here's my point. We got to take out the trash. Listen to me. This is not a sermon about how silly I can get in front of a bunch of people. I'm telling you, with this broken. And so you don't want to deal with your pornographic problem and you don't want to deal with your eating disorder and you don't want to deal with your pride and you don't want to deal with that nasty attitude that you come into every environment. You don't want to deal with that. Beloved, listen to me. We're all a mess. And if we don't allow each other to speak into that, and how do we do that? How can we possibly? Well, the text says it. It says this. Get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent, uh, that is so prevalent. In other words, it's everywhere. And listen to me. Humbly accept the word planted in you. What's the word that's planted in you? It's the gospel. And what's the gospel? The gospel is that you are worse than you think. That once you walk into a place like this, it's our primary confession. We are messed up. We are messed We have a ton of garbage that we carry around that's all over us. We are really, really, really messed up. We're worse than we think, but we are more loved than we could imagine. We humbly, listen to me, humbly. If it's, if it's our job to be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Then it's also our job to humbly go, God, you're right, you're right. This, this word, it's right, it's right. Your gospel is true. I am a mess. I am prideful. I am arrogant. I am sometimes divisive and, and disunifying. Lord, that's true. That's true about me in my marriage. That's true about me in my family. That's true about me in all the areas of my life. It's true. God, it's true. God, would you help me to bring people around me who will love me and be broken with me and help me to grow? Because the first step, if we are going to be a people who humbly receive God's word and happily serve God's world, we're going to first have to take out the trash. And the way we do that is by being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become anger with an attitude of humility that says, you sister, you brother, you have something to tell me about my eye color. You have something to tell me about my brokenness. And now listen. My prayer is that we would be a community like that. Wouldn't you like to? Imagine if we became a community like that. Amen. If we became a community like that, we would be irresistible. If we became a community like that, nobody, nobody, nobody would contemplate suicide alone. They would come and they would say, I'm thinking of suicide. Come, 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 come. I'm broken too. Nobody would suffer depression in silence. 
Nobody. If we were a community like that, we would be safe enough to have our banana peels and our bread and our half-eaten sandwiches all up in us. And we could say, brothers, of those of you with all the mess, would you help me? I'm telling you, guys, it would be an irresistible community where, listen, and I'm only speaking to the broken people, where you could get healing. Now, I want you to know, you humbly receive because we, God only has broken people to deal with. And so even people who are trying to be quick to, speak, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, those people will mess up and they'll say words that are hurtful sometimes and, and, and not thoughtful. But, but, we take out the trash by taking in each other and receiving that gospel of Christ and if that can happen in us, then Jesus would be glorified. But we got to look to him and ask him to do the work, not only in us, but in our community, being courageous enough to confront each other on some stuff. Yes? yes. Let me pray for you. Amen. Father, I thank you. Lord, I, oh man, Lord, I pray that the illustration is not a distraction. I pray God, that we would take this as seriously as your word says it. Lord, that we would consider deeply the trash that we walk around with, not acting like we don't have any flaws, but Lord, being willing, humbly receiving the word that you've implanted in us. It's been your gift all along. And if you've given it to us, Lord, help us to look at Jesus. Help us to reflect on Jesus. Help us to see the sacrifice that he went through in order for us to be in this community so that, so that we could be transformed by Jesus. Lord, would you speak to the broken in this room that know it? And Lord, would you remind them that there's nothing that you ever ask them to do that you don't enable us to do with your spirit, with your word, and with your people. Help us not to be lone rangers in this. Help us to be broken before you. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen.